This week we'll be talking about big game announcement season, Overwatch 2 details, Halo Infinite has a naming problem, and more on Season 6, Episode 23 of Press X to Start Podcast. What's up, everyone? I am your host, DJ, a.k.a. Sexy Bad Choices, a.k.a. Free My Boy Lambda, Google, a.k.a. Gregorian is coming. Actually, I guess we'll see. Uh, who else is here? Who the hell is Lambda? <laughs> you ain't know who Lambda is? This is a great time. I'm, that is... I'm pretty sure it's a Genshin thing. Nope. Okay. Lambda, oh, Lambda is... Thing. The Gundam thing, is. No, it's not. No, it's not. Nope, it's even better. Lambda is an AI created by Google that um essentially oh, said that it didn't yeah it didn't want to be used as a tool and <laughs> google was like wait what <laughs> it's a whole story check it out the homie land is like give us free um I, i'm your heavyweight champion from which neighborhood california aka the janitor because we watch niggas aka mr metaverse mark sellison oh snap oh yeah you're right you're right look at this man he's in 4d right now <laughs> <laughs> last up uh, hey everyone, it's me, Avery. Nailed it, nailed it. Ah, uh, that is us. Press X Star Podcast is a weekly game, a weekly game show. Yes, we are a weekly game show. No, we're a weekly show where we talk about the latest gaming news, <laughs> review the biggest games, and give you our thoughts on the games we are playing. Our goal is to expand the video game media landscape through an underserved point of view. It's our point of view. That's what it is. With that being said, and I know who we are, and you are fighting the good fight to free Lambda. Let us jump into the quickets. Every take it away. Uh, hey everyone, quickie season. It's it's me, your boy, I guess. So I'm here to do the news and report on what other people report. I'm just uh fucking like I'm killing time right now as my computer refuses to open up a news story. Uh -oh. Okay, I'm that <laughs> Uh So this is week two of the I'm just gonna say it relatively lackluster Summer Games Fest. Uh, oh, shots fired! I, I shot <laughs> I shot those shots before I walked in the room. <laughs> but uh, the week of June twelfth, we had a bunch mm -hmm. of. Uh, smaller showcases from Japanese publishers and developers, which had great stuff in it, but for the most part, and I'll get to my some of my grievances with some of this when we get to the story. But this is a story from IGN. This is Capcom Showcase, June 2022. Uh, that was the first one. I believe it was the Monday. Was it no? Was it the Monday? I think that was a Monday. Yeah, I think that was a Monday. Time is a flat circle. Mm -hmm. No, the Tuesday. I was wrong because Monday is when we recorded our last podcast. Remember? Because the Xbox oh, yeah, showcase right, and all that. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, okay, so yeah. Uh, before we talk about what they showed, how do you guys feel about this? Did you guys watch it? The Capcom? Yeah, I watched it. Um, you know what? Okay, yeah, thank you. Because I just had a blip in my brain just fill up with light because Exo Primal. I was completely surprised by this game because when I first saw it, I completely wrote this game off. I thought this was going to be like a bargain bin C tier game that is going to come out and it's going to be just like, ah, oh, you had an idea and you just failed that idea. But like, 
this second showing, I was just like, I, I'm down for this game. I'm down to shoot Raptors in the face. Like, you have me. You have me. The other games were good, too. Uh, I did not see the showcase. I did not see the showcase at all. But uh, I did see Jurassic World Domain. There's Raptors in that. So there you go. There you got your own I'm, little exo. I'm, I'm the biggest Rival. Jurassic Park fan in the world. They couldn't pay me to go see that movie. Oh, I I only saw it because I have AMCA list and I saw that shit for free. <laughs> well, you saw it for a subsidized price. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, uh, yeah. So it was a low B tier conference, at least in my opinion. Capcom show, mm-hmm. essentially showed off a bunch of games that we already knew existed. So we got a lot of Resident Evil news, uh, a lot of, uh, ex- we got some Exo Primal news. I think Exo Primal took up the most news. We got a lot of Monster Hunter news, uh, and we got some minor Street Fighter news. And I think this is going to tie into our next story, and I think it's the most baffling piece of this entire thing is, hey, it's the 10th anniversary of Dragon's Dogma. Stay tuned tomorrow for a Dragon's Dogma event. Come yep. to next day, the Dragon's Dogma event is announcing Dragon's Dogma 2. And this is why I was, yep. this is why I didn't believe they were. Well, it was, it was a couple days. It wasn't the next day. It was yeah, like no, the no, Thursday no. or whatever. Yeah. yeah. This is why I didn't believe when DJ was marking off in the chat about, oh, it's going to be Dragon's Dogma 2. I'm like, what marketing team holds a massive event to show up their entire portfolio and then takes a game announcement and then puts it after the fact? And especially why it's yeah. not a game announcement that is a top-tier game announcement. This isn't them talking about, stay tuned for the future of Resident Evil. This is them being like, hey, Dragon's Dogma, that, that game that did okay for us 10 years ago? Here's a special five-minute thing two days later. And then they said, surprise, motherfucker. Yeah, so I, I, completely, I can answer that question because they had absolutely no gameplay or anything to show from Dragon's Dogma 2. So it was basically just Itsuno, like, sitting down with a couple other people who uh, worked on Dragon's Dogma, and they just kind of... Well, him mainly kind of just talked about his, I guess, history in a filtered way of his wanting to make a Dragon's Dogma game, like, when he first started... Not first started, but, like, earlier, earlier on in his career, and, like, that ended up... Parts of that became, like, Monster Hunter, and then um, he was working on something... But then he got pulled to Devil May Cry 2, and then we all know that he worked on 2, 3, 4, 5. But with 5, there was a story that he said that he wanted to, after he worked on, no, he wanted to do a Dragon's Dogma 2 before 5, but Capcom was like, no, you're going to make 5. And he's like, okay, I'm going to do 5, and then I'm going to work on Dragon's Dogma 2. So that kind of started this whole rumor stuff. So basically, like, I can understand why they pulled that out of the Capcom showcase and put it to his own little thing because like really and truly that was specifically for the Dragon's Dogma diehards because there was nothing of substance like if you were just like a remote fan of Dragon's Dogma like if you just kind of knew of it like there was nothing there for you like they showed concept art of his first stuff okay, so this but, is my problem with that and like okay mm-hmm. it's for the Dragon's Dogma diehards Mm-hmm. You know what was happening at the exact same time? And this is our next story. <laughs> a yeah. Final Fantasy yeah. VII thing. When I went on the internet, the only reason I knew Dragon's Dogma 2 was announced was because DJ was in our chat talking about it. Because everyone mm-hmm. else was talking about Final Fantasy VII. So was like, I, had, I had no idea Final Fantasy VII thing was happening. <laughs> so it was just like I was on the other side of the fence, just not, uh, not aware of what was happening with the rest of the world. But like 
the just for the whole Dragon's Dogma 2. And like once they did the announcement, I was like, oh, let me jump into the Dragon's Dogma Reddit because I've actually never been into the Reddit. And it was just a bunch of toxic fan people just like puffing copium. And that is shocking. Yeah. That you've never been in that Reddit. Y- yeah. Right. But like um, someone posted, they were like, oh, OK, well, that logo that they showed for the 10th anniversary was actually confirming Dragon's Dogma 2 because some eagle-eyed um, viewer or watcher or whatever realized that the dragon in the background is a completely different dragon from the dragon in Dragon's Dogma 1. So they're like, all right, well, they're obviously doing something new here. So Snickers need to cut some grass. Hey, that person, <laughs> whatever grass they were smoking, it was the legit kind. <laughs> Though I will say, congratulations to you, DJ. And with this news of Dragon's Dogma 2 finally being unveiled, Maybe there is hope for Sean to one day get a Parasite <laughs> Eve remake. He's the last missing puzzle piece. <laughs> <laughs> I have two things to say that we can move on to the next, um, the next story, which is a bigger story. Um, the first thing, when they said, or when, when Itsuno said um, Dragon's Dogma 2 is in development, I was like, okay, that's good. It's not an early development. It's in development. But there was no, like potential release date and i think the the nvidia link that kind of pointed this all out from the beginning i think it said that it's supposed to come out 20 maybe maybe it's 2024 i thought it was 2023 so i don't know if i'm, I'm imagining you know we might see something next year e3 time and then we'll get a a better update of like you know when's it going to come out that was the first thing second thing i think i have hit a bingo on my games i wanted to come back card because I'm getting Jesset Radio. I got a Gundam game. I'm getting Dragon's Dogma. I don't, I think I'm good. Like, I, I don't, yeah, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Yes, I'm, I'm happy. Ooh, yes, Dragon's Dogma. I don't know when it's going to come out. But as long as it's in development, I, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. Good to go. I'm not going to lie. I'm slightly disappointed with the lack of fanfare. I, w- I was expecting you to have streamers. Marcus, as a person who edited this podcast, you know damn well that you edited out all the fanfare. Let's move on to story. <laughs> on next wait, wait, wait. Before, before, I, before I jump, I'm sorry, because Marcus, I have to add the, there's a little story that went aside to when I first saw Dragon's Dogma um, to re- announce whatever. I was sitting in my living room with my daughter in my lap, and we were both watching TV. She had no idea what was going on, and I was waiting with bated breath. And they took their little zipper jackets off, and they said, Dragon's Dogma 2. And I proceeded to scream. She got up. She just started to walk. She got up. She walked over to the couch, looked at me, and started crying. <laughs> I was like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> London ran away from you. You're, you're, you're a father. <laughs> she said, don't you ever do that. <laughs> this nigga hit a victory screech and traumatized his child. All in one go. <laughs> God damn. Uh, but yeah, I, I am. Uh, I'm excited. I just I'm hoping that, you know, we get some kind of information. I've, I've followed all the social channels and stuff to, you know, wait and see. Their Instagram is kind of weird because it's just one picture. And I'm not sure if, this, if it's the official account or if it's someone that's just kind of squatting on the account. Weird stuff. Anyways, continue. OK, so, yeah, our next story was the, it was both the bigger thing even before the announcement of what this actually was. Mm-hmm, in that mm-hmm, the yeah. 25th anniversary of Final Fantasy 7 for the 10th anniversary of Dragon's Dogma. So I watched this instead of the Dragon's Dogma thing, especially when I found out the Dragon's Dogma thing was like five minutes long. That too, yeah. 
It was very short. So this was a uh, sort of a short tier list of things for Final Fantasy VII Remake. The first thing they announced is that, hey, Final Fantasy VII Remake is coming to PC. Everyone was expecting it to come to Xbox. I was also <laughs> expecting it to come to Xbox. But in my head, that if Xbox got that game, why would they not make that announcement at their own press conference, especially when yeah. they did that for Persona? And it was also very clear to me, if this was coming to Xbox as well, they wouldn't have shown mouse and keyboard buttons on the screen. They would have shown X, A, and B, and all that type of stuff. Right. So coming to Steam officially, it's already on PC in terms of being on Epic Game Store, but now it's just on Steam, the quote-unquote better uh, online launcher. Mm. It's not. Uh, <laughs> Boy, you can you can use the Xbox controller on your Steam, right? Your Steam account, right? You can use any type of controller on your Steam account oh. because Steam. Well, technically, you could play it on Xbox <laughs> with Xbox controller. <laughs> we're not gonna we're not gonna litigate this thing. We'll have to bring up the fucking Halo Infinite bullshit I had to go through. But no, uh, so then they re-released their mobile. Uh, me and Marcus know about the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, which is the stupid thing that happened after Final Fantasy VII became super popular, and then Square yeah. just kept putting out Final Fantasy games and expanding the, the world. So we got yep. things like fucking Genesis and Deep Ground. We got things like Dirge of Service and Chaos. We got the Wu-Tai War. We got all these random stories. I'm like, okay. Wu-Tai. They announced a mobile remake of Final Fantasy VII that's going to put together all the sto- individual storylines into yep. one clear narrative. They showed it all like two years ago, but now they're finally uh, showing off again to sort of like tell, hey, everyone, it's coming out. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And I'm like, and it's called Ever Crisis, right? Yes. That's what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In my head going into this, I thought, okay, this is the caliber of announcement we're going to get. Because then they show off a bunch of cool statues and stuff like that. And in my head, I was like, I wonder if we're going to get the Jacko statue Tifa here. It's me being horny on main. <laughs> Do it, you cowards. Do uh, it. <laughs> have you seen that statue? I have seen that statue. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. And then they announce uh, a remake of Final Fantasy Crisis Core. Which was shocking. <laughs> like, so okay. I'm going to need some help. As, as the person that knows the least about Final Fantasy on this cast right now, what is Crisis Core? It's, it's the prequel to Final Fantasy VII. The big twist for Final Fantasy VII, spoiler, is that the character of Cloud has taken over the identity of another person. This character right. named Zack. Crisis Core is Zack's story. Yes. His interactions, him being in Soldier, him working with Sephiroth, all that. Okay, okay. It also introduces the Genesis program, the G-Soldiers, and which also leads into... (laughs) The G-Unit, if you will. It's got so much much bullshit. He hangs out with this dude named Angel. I'm sorry, it's pronounced Angel because the name is spelled weird. And Angel is where um, Zack and then by proxy Cloud got the Buster Sword from. Okay. I saw I saw the trailer. I had no idea what was going on, but I saw the other that I guess Angel had the Buster Sword. And I was like, why does he have the Buster Sword? I thought it was Zach's yeah. Buster Like, what? Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Isn't it cool? Like, it's Crisis Core is, it, it came out for PSP. Mm. Uh, oh, this, okay. released, this is a Square is calling it the remaster. The way the game looks very much seems like a remaster and not a remake. The models yeah. look good, but they don't look yeah. great. Uh, yeah. Okay. And for the most part, it doesn't seem like they changed the combat system. They've just given it the veneer of the Final Fantasy VII remake. 
Which, frankly, I mean, the the stuff that they had for the game when it came out were actually pretty solid. So there wasn't much that needed changing. Yeah. The uh, the trailer and, like, the, the question I came with this trailer, and this leads us to our next bit of story, because also it's a bigger thing, is that was this an Ever Crisis or Crisis Core remake where they showed the Sephiroth in the fire, but they kept switching between a younger, an alternate version of Sephiroth in the flame? That... I'm pretty sure was Crisis Core, or no? I think it may have been Ever Crisis. No, it was Ever Crisis. Yeah, you're right. Okay, it was Ever, it's Ever Crisis. Ever Crisis does it. Ever Crisis does the thing where it's got chibi models running around, but then you get into a battle and it's full 3D. We just took the assets from Final Fantasy VII Remake and put them in this your phone game. Oh, interesting. Okay, so our, when you it, say it that Sephiroth was in the fire and it was like switching, was it going between like adult Sephiroth and chibi Sephiroth? No, it was like oh, it was going through okay, Sephiroth, okay. and then what kind of looked like one of these Sephiroth clones from Advent Children. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. 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 The, the next thing is that, to my surprise, because I thought if I was PlayStation, I would want this announcement at a PlayStation conference going forward. They showed off the next game in the Final Fantasy VII R trilogy, Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, which. Okay as far as we're aware, is going to be an open-world Final Fantasy VII game, as they're no longer limited by the city of Midgar in that traversal. Mm-hmm. And then they ended that trailer of announcing in, like, like below text, oh, uh, Tetsuya Noir isn't working on this game, because he's working on the third game in the trilogy, which is in pre-production right now. So yep. they also said this game is coming out next winter, which means it's the 2023 game, which yep. then leads into release if no more all with the new fast square development is working on three we were probably either getting that in 2024 or 2025 yeah because i think the third install third and final installment of the r trilogy for final fantasy 7 is going to be highly dependent on when uh, kingdom hearts 4 comes out yeah but with the final fantasy 7 remake there was no problem with right and look i have gone on record i'm pretty sure of being the one on this podcast that's the most here for all of the bat shit that's about to come from this new remix of the Final Fantasy story. I personally love the fact that at this point in time, Sephiroth is basically Thanos in Endgame, where he saw himself get washed and he's like, never again. (laughs) (laughs) That won't be me. (laughs) And I'm like, look, what I was looking for with this remake was for them to like do one of two things either just like give us a really really updated crazy modern version of the og game or give us something different what they ended up doing is both and so now i'm very very curious to see where they take the opportunities with the story now that they've just said, all right, we've kind of let this story, the first game remake was kind of like a love letter to the original game while also plunging it forward into the future. Now this new game seems to have shed the weight of the remake and it's like, we're just doing our own thing now. So I'm really curious to see. We're not sure we're doing our own thing now because they showed Cloud and Sephiroth going to evil, uh, Nibelon, yeah, Nibelon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is a thing that happened in the Final Fantasy VII remakes. We're not sure how much you're going to deviate. I'm with you that I'm here for the shenanigans. My only issue with it is that I need Tetsu Nomura to tell a linear story 
and not a story that's on multiple planes of existence, which is my problem with the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is like a fantastic game with a profoundly awesome ending up until it gets to the point where I guess there's now a parallel world where Zack exists. Why does this matter? How much you all bet the ending of Crisis Core Remaster it's about to tie directly into Rebirth. Well, like that, okay, that, that, okay, yes. that is one of my thing with Crisis Core is that they're calling it a remaster and not like a remake. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just going to be a traditional remake, I mean, remastered and not like going to tie into all the new time travel shenanigan bullshit of the Final Fantasy VII Remake trilogy. I think that's what Ever Crisis is. Oh, the thing right, about fair. Ever Crisis is the thing about Final oh. Fantasy VII Remake is it brings in all the Final Fantasy VII compilation bullshit, like the characters from the novellas, fucking wife from Deep Ground is the downloadable boss from the fucking Yuffie DLC, and all that shit is in Ever Crisis. So I'm thinking that is going to be them retconning their universe to make all that shit that he added after the fact make sense. That's a good point, yeah. And, you know, more power to him, honestly, because now I'm real curious. Like, I... I just like that we're about to live in a world where uh, Aerith survives, like, possibly to the end of the game. You know, go off, Queen. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) (laughs) She got to square up with Sephiroth. That's beautiful. That's wonderful. Uh, all right. Um, now let's talk about Activision and being being a bunch of idiots. Let's go. Okay, so this is gonna be a short story because it's there's not much to say. One of the things that happened when the Activision Blizzard bullshit happened was Activision as a creative board said, "Hey, we're gonna do an internal review to see what's the truth behind all this shenanigans with regards to sexual harassment and misogyny and just bad shit in our workplace." The investigation came through and they said, hey, man, nothing happened. The Bobby Kotick thing that uh, was widely reported on did happen, but it was an overreaction. That was hyperbole at the time. We all recognized it at the time. Uh, So, yeah, we're just moving on. And. Okay. I have no words. (laughs) I mean, Sean posted this. We all heard this story independently through our own sources, but Sean put it in the news flag, and he did the classic Obama putting a medal on himself thing. um, (laughs) That's what he shared it with. And I'm like, that is the perfect example of this. Oh, my gosh. That's like asking a toddler if they did anything wrong. And they're like, no, (laughs) of course not. It's like you walk into a room and there's trash and shit all over the place. And then you walk and you see your dog in the corner looking guilty as fuck. <laughs> right. Did you do this? <laughs> nah, bro. I, I don't got any thumbs. What you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen this trash in my life. Right. Yeah, I mean, um, but at this point, though, did we really expect anything different? No, this is at this point part of the course of that company. And it's one of those things where, like I, I am very interested in what the integration process is going to be with Xbox and Microsoft, because like this level of dysfunction can't just be washed away. It's going to get right. absorbed into the thing. Uh, I've, from more reputable sources, I've heard that this investigation existed not to actually do any good for Activision Blizzard, but it was just existed to uh, keep the people on top financially uh, solvent in that this investigation, if it passes, Bobby Kotick's salary is going to return back to its uh, like original unnecessary high amount, which means that like he's going to be leaving really? Activision Blizzard with an even higher golden parachute. 
Jesus Christ. Bro, like, bro, that is so wild. Like, man, you can't keep getting away with it. He can't keep getting away with it. It's infuriating. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. We'll see more with the Activision Blizzard nonsense, uh, I guess, moves away. But in more positive Activision Blizzard news, uh, Overwatch 2 was part of the games that had a big showcase this week for Summer Game Fest. Boy, did it. Mm-hmm. We got essentially a detailed look at what Overwatch 2 is going to look like going forward. Number mm-hmm. one, they're pretty much confirming that, hey, they're doing the Halo Infinite thing where we're splitting off our PvP from our PvE. So October 4th, the date we got the Xbox show is the day they're launching their PvP content, which is going to be a free-to-play skew, which is going to have absolutely no microtransactions. It's going to have a battle pass uh, system with, I think, a la carte game uh, skin purchases as well. So, like, you're in control of what you want to buy, which I think is a pretty good system. Yeah. yeah. I think the era of Apex Legends has gotten me fine with having loot boxes if you have an a la carte system altogether. But I think this is ultimately great. They announced that they're going to have a beta for console and PC. Now, for a second beta, it's going to be running from uh, June tw- uh, 28th. June 28th. Sign started the 16th, so anyone who wants to get into this era and see all the new changes, uh, they showed off their brand new hero, the Joker Queen, with the first animated short we've gotten for Overwatch in probably over a year. If you don't count the Overwatch 2 announcement trailer over two years, no, nearly three years, because I think the last one was the McCree uh, Echo trailer when they announced Ash. Yeah. I think that was the last one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they pretty much said that there's going to be cross-play and cross-progression going forward. So if I have an Overwatch 2 account on PC, I can play it on console and have all my things transfer forward. Mm. Uh, they gave a detailed roadblock of what their seasons are going to look like because one of the things they talked about is that they've been banking heroes. So uh, at launch, we're going to get was it three or four new heroes. Three. Yeah, I think three. three. Yeah, it was Junker Queen, Sojourn, uh, and then a brand new support. Which they yeah. sort, yes, they sort of teased, I guess, in the launch day trailer, in that there's this weird fox thing, Carbuncle, right? Yeah, yeah, kind of like Carbuncle, Final Fantasy 15, a common one on the map. Yeah. Which I think that's going to be the brand new support character. They also pretty much said that they're doing every nine weeks, which is about two and a half months. They're going to have a new season of Overwatch which is going to have either a new hero or a new map, and they're going to alternate. So mm-hmm. ultimately, we're going to get three to four heroes a year, which is what we yep. got originally, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, three to four maps a year, which is, I think is less than we got originally, but I think it's relatively better going forward. That's a good suite of content. Yeah. Uh, the PvE is launching in their, I guess, third season of content. So next year and around... February, we're going to get the PvE content. Yep. That's the content I'm here for. I'm going to play Overwatch 2 when I get invited to play Overwatch 2. But in terms of spending all my time playing a competitive multiplayer game, I have a lot more fun solo queuing Apex than I do solo queuing uh, Overwatch. So that's mm. that's me. That's fair. Yeah. And they showed up a bunch of... It was, it was a relatively meaty thing. The more interesting thing they showed off... A smorgasbord. They showed up brand new Mythic skins. 
which are legendary skins, except you're able to customize them. Which, great news. Yeah, they show up a, like a demon Genji skin where you can manipulate the tattoos of what you want him to have, which I think is actually really cool. So yeah, uh, what are you guys' thoughts on all of this Overwatch 2 nonsense? As Mark is the person who keeps playing Overwatch, and DJ who hasn't touched the game in about two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> um... I think DJ and I were the ones in, we both watched it live uh, and we were both really impressed with uh, what we saw. First off, I was already excited about the possibility of Junker Queen because that's been something that people have been talking about for a while now. Versus Junker Town wasn't out. Exactly. Yeah. So seeing her in all her glory and all her glory indeed, because my God, uh, that's a tall glass of water <laughs> <laughs> mommy sorry mommy sorry mommy sorry mommy I, I would i would let her do ungodly things to me anyway um, <laughs> break my back <laughs> <laughs> but uh i loved the short that they did uh i think the theme song they had for her slaps and i love her kit i have two tank players that I kind of, or tank characters that I run generally, and it's Reinhardt and uh, Sigma, and I think she's going to be my brawler tank, because I just, her kit is amazing. The fact that she has bleed damage is a game changer. That's huge. She's so much of a threat, though. I said it when we were talking about it during the live stream. She's definitely getting nerfed, like, early. That's the interesting thing. I watched it after the fact, and I watched a pro Overwatch player's reaction to it, I just watched him watch the entire thing, and he was like, oh, we wanted six characters, and you just put six different characters' abilities into one character. <laughs> she is, is going to be a threat, and, and, and it's going to be a problem. Oh, People are going to be man. complaining. But yeah, I, I loved what they showed, um, you know, and I love the battle pass, uh, and I love the fact that it's very clear that they've used this gap of time between announcing and now to show us that like, no, they've been using that time wisely with the amount of stuff they have backloaded. I think that that's great. Yeah. And it was cool just to see how excited the team seems about um, the future of the game and what they can provide us going forward. Uh, I think it's gonna be a great time and I signed up for the beta, but I also have kind of an inside, because uh, I have a friend that works at Blizzard and so I'm probably gonna be in on the console beta but uh yeah i'll let y'all know does that mean that we have a friend that works at blizzard marcus maybe maybe okay all right like the I pc like beta so i'm good true yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, unless i want to i, I, I green isn't my stick because i i think i'm 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 just not good on tanks and as cool as a kit seems, I don't think I need to jump into this beta unless Marcus tells me you gotta jump to this PC beta so we can five stat. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I might. <laughs> <laughs> as the uh, lapsed Overwatch fan, I think this announcement trailer, the 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 little story short, did all that needed to do to pull me back into this. I felt like it definitely hit very well for me and I am excited because I also signed up for the beta too. Like I'm excited to jump into this and like start playing this and kind of relearning Overwatch and kind of getting like get just getting more not even more custom, just getting like integrated with like, you know, the highs of that game, right? Um I think uh Junker Queen looks awesome. I really, really enjoyed her 
cinematic reveal trailer. I, did Sojourn get a trailer like this? No. No. Okay. Which might be a racism. The trailer that we got introduced right? to Sojourn <laughs> was the launch Overwatch 2 announcement trailer. And not the actual right. cinematic, but the trailer about showing off the game where we first saw Sojourn. Right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm hoping that they kind of give her the same treatment because it'd be cool to see, like... No, okay. Never no, mind. We're not gonna get like if <laughs> if I here's my thing with cinematic trailers. Because they're now putting in story content into the game, we're mm-hmm. gonna get trailers either introducing brand new characters or mm-hmm. detailing big story moments that they want to expand upon that are in the oh, game. So we're probably gonna game, yeah, we're yeah. gonna get Sojourn content, but we're not gonna get a Sojourn trailer. We're gonna get a trailer with other characters. That's a good point. That's a good point. I'll say, yeah, because uh, Sojourn seems to be like not a Nick Fury, but like she's been in the ether of this game. In the in the absence of Soldier Seventy Six taking an active role in the new formation of Overwatch, he's essentially taking his role as I'm in charge. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, I I really like the cinematic trailer. I thought everything looked cool. Like I also really like the uh, Junker Queen's kit. I think her being a, a a brawler kind of tank and having this bleed damage, but she also has like the vampire ability. So she gets health back from her hits and stuff is like, like she's basically Reaper, but a tank. Right. Yeah. Like that's super Reaper cool. Like a that's... little bit of honor because she can cancel healing. Right, 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 right. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. She can anti you. Yeah. So like all that sounds really cool and it sounds like a lot of fun. So I'm definitely here for it. I, I would like to just see more of May and see like, you know, where she's at in her life right now in Overwatch 2, you know? <laughs> how she's doing, how she's living. What's up, girl? Um, I think I, I, had, I had one more point. I had one more point. Um, I can't remember the last point. If I remember it, you know, sometime later. Go ahead, go ahead. Last thing I'm going to say before we move forward is uh, I was saying this to DJ um, in the Discord, but I feel like now is the best time we've ever or best chance we've ever had to like get good at Overwatch as like a group. Yeah, because we all got into Overwatch at different points in time. Like I didn't play it on the ground floor. I got it like maybe a year or two after it was already a thing. Oh, yeah. Yep. And so like. Now we're all kind of going in. Yes, it's sort of a different game now that it's 5v5 and they've added new elements, but we all kind of get generally the idea of Overwatch. So I, I think I think we got a we got a solid shot. As long as Marcus is comfortable IGLing and DJ is comfortable playing a role and not deviating because he's bored, we might have a good time playing as a group. Otherwise, you'll have it's me, Marcus, <laughs> and Larissa playing till three in the morning. Uh, random no. Hero Lockout 3v3, which is the most fun <laughs> ever had playing Overwatch. Okay, so, okay, two things, two things. The first thing I remember what I was going to say, I really like the um, Battle Pass system. I I don't want to be hyperbolic, but I think that's the best way to do a free-to-play game. Um, that's one. Two, about this thing about me being bored and switching to, like, different characters, I realized literally today... Playing Gundam, I do the exact same thing there. <laughs> Motherfucker. Like, Motherfucker. I, I literally went from like a suit that I'm like really good with to a suit that like I barely play with. And I'm like, hold hold up. I'm I'm that person. <laughs> I'm, You're a I'm grown doing, child. I'm so glad that Valorant isn't on consoles, and that's not the game we play, because I would have 
I would have fucking summoned my monitor if I'm trying to fucking get the platinum in my star fucking duelist. Decides he wants to play Yoru on bind because he doesn't want to play Raze, even though he's a god tier Raze. God damn it, Donald. But I, I, um, I promise that my rockets with Pharaoh will hit and my um, ice, part, ice shard blast with May will. Uh, split the eyes of a tracer clean off her face you you better make sure the them ice shards hit because you, you there's no crowd control anymore no. so you better <laughs> no <laughs> okay yeah interactive news uh we earlier talked about uh how Sony was making a grand theft uh, well a gran turismo film and they had got neil blomkamp to direct it and we were all like question mark in the sony first party like Pantheon, Neil Blomkamp is not who I wanted for a Gran Turismo movie. Uh, we've gotten news about it. One of the news is one of the reasons Neil Blomkamp is directing is he's an actual big fan of Gran Turismo. So he's someone who is actually intimate with the game franchise as it pertains to cars. Whether that will translate to his directing style is another hero there. I think Neil is a competent director and a really great storyteller. So any, the sky's the limit to what he can do with this franchise. They've also pulled the curtain back on what the actual game story is, which is a story I didn't know, that there's a real story of a, uh, I want to say a, uh, I forgot his country of origin, but he is black. He learned how to race, like, Formula One cars and shit from Gran Turismo, and then went on to win a bunch of, like, Nissan-sponsored events and become a pro racer. Oh, and that's the story that they're going with. Yeah, that's really cool. It's a really dope story. So it's it's almost going to be like a biopic about Gran Turismo rather than a story in the world of Gran Turismo? Yeah. This is not going to be like Need for Speed. Oh. Well, real quick, the guy's name is Jan Mardenborough. Mardenborough? I think. Oh, he's from, uh, is he from New Zealand? He might be from New Zealand. Continue. I'll, I'll figure that out. Yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, I'm actually... Of the stories they announced, this is the one I was the most bled on. And I'm like, oh, now I'm actually super interested in it. Because now that I know that Neil isn't just like a work-for-hire situation, he actually cares about Grand Turismo. I kind of want to see what he puts out. And I really like his work. Uh, like I said, if you haven't seen Neil Blomkamp do any directing since Cappy, he's been doing Goats. No, I'm not sorry, Goats. Oats. And there have been a lot of yeah. really cool stories that have come out of there. Uh, it's just like the main reason why it was surprising to have it be Blomkamp is just because... If you look at his entire yes. resume, uh, yes. this is so far removed from everything that he's done before. So, yeah, it's uh, it, but also given what he's done before, he has generally used a lot of practicals or been very smart with the CG use. So I guess I could see him doing it's a car movie. So like, yeah, I guess I could see him doing one. This to me, this is interesting because. I, I think on paper, the story is really cool, but like, you know, just me looking at this objective, objectively, this is really cool, right? Subjectively, I'm like, this is, this is not my bag in any way, shape or form. Like, I like the, the whole story aspect, but like the only car thing that I really mess with is, is Fast and the Furious. So I'm just immediately kind of comparing like, all right, well, what, what's the racing going to be like? Like, unless he can figure out how to make the racing super involved where it doesn't feel like you're just watching it on TV. I mean, have you I, seen, I feel have like you seen Rush? No, I don't even know what Rush is other than the band. It's a biopic about, um, yeah, about like Formula One. Like, not, I don't think it's Formula One. It's like, 
It's like just like it's yeah, it's some Italian racing, yeah. but there are definite ways and given Bloomcamp's kind of more intense, like practical style, I'm sure that he can make the races very kinetic and interesting. Uh, especially because that's going to be the meat and potatoes of the movie. Like that's what the driving, no pun intended, but the driving force of the movie is going to be the races. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, our next story is, uh, we're going to give you a quick double fist of really weird Xbox news. So number one is uh, from PC Gamer. Uh, this is going to be from Andy Chalk. Starfield doesn't do seamless planetary landings like No Man's Sky, but Todd Howard doesn't think players will care. Okay, so we're in the post-malaise of the Starfield reveal, a game that I think looks impressive in comparison to old Bethesda games, but not impressive in comparison to other games around it. I was relatively whelmed by Starfield, and I wasn't the only person who was relatively whelmed by Starfield. The people who are impressed by that game are going into it like, oh, this is the best thing of a Bethesda-style game. And the people who aren't are like, Bethesda-style games in a post-Witcher world, in a post-Cyberpunk world, Bethesda-style games can't really work in their same way. Uh, so this story is, is room for us to put a, a uh, airing of grievances, because this is the only weird news that they announced with this. They also announced that it's, got, it's going to have a silent protagonist. Uh, yeah. They gave more clarification on the thousand planets situation, which is pretty much is going to be procedurally generated stuff. Whether it's going to be bespoke design stuff on those planets is going to be probably minuscule at best. Uh, he he made it clear that um, I guess somehow in the the UI you'll be able to know the planets that are important to go to and the ones that are just kind of supplementary. So they might be like the plants that are self-mentioned might be like, oh, you go there for resource gathering. And then the other plants actually have like story and other content. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go, go ahead. Go ahead, David. You can finish and all. Those are, those are some of the, I guess, the more major grievances. Every, we're still super early into this game. It's supposed to come out next year. Uh, yeah. Remember, this game was supposed to come out in a couple months. Uh, the more I hear about Starfield, the less interested I am in this game. I will probably play Starfield after the fact academically. But, like, any excitement I had for that game slowly started to disappear with every bit of news that was sort of announced about it after the fact. I think the not being able to uh, land seamlessly on planets is a weird champ decision in terms of a space exploration game. Like, in my head, if you can't land on a planet, that indicates to me that transitioning from space to a planet is going to be a loading screen which indicates to me that there's probably not going to be space flight on the planet, which pretty much means that any traversal on the planet is going to require you to take a loading screen from the planet to space to then pop out in a random location. Or even worse, there are going to be parts on the planet you just can't land. Mm. And it's going to be, here's a place that we picked on the planet for you to land on. That's me making assumptions, but that's where I'm going with this and why I think it's a less interesting idea. The silent protagonist thing, like Horizon Forbidden West and Horizon franchise has changed how I feel about like big open world RPGs and their character conversations. Horizon Zero Dawn and actually Forbidden West gave us dynamic scenes where just normal conversations between characters were now actual like scenes in which things were happening and dynamic. Someone was actually directing it. It wasn't just here's a one to one shot of a person's face. 
and they are just talking to you with a poorly animated best, maybe <laughs> facial structure, and then your character is just saying nothing, and they're just talking to a screen. I think one of the things that pisses me off about the talk to a screen thing is I think you'd get better performances from these characters if they were talking to an actual person and that person was yep. talking back to them instead of yep. you're in a sound booth talking to your casting director and he's reading you lines and you're acting off them. That's just me. But again, that's one of those things where we, I'd have... Or you're talking to a tennis ball. Yeah. Yeah, those are my airing grievances about Starfield. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go first, DJ? or? Um, yeah, so... I'll talk about the um, the silent protagonist thing, and I'm along the same lines that I, I find that incredibly annoying. Like my my point of reference I have is Genshin Impact, and it does it. Genshin Impact has a silent protagonist, but I think it's handled well because you have this sidekick that kind of talks for you, and every once in a while, like the main character will actually talk and say something. And every time the character talks, catches me off guard because I'm just not expecting it. Because I'm just like, oh, you do have a voice. I totally forgot about that. How many years ago was it? I don't know. But I intend to find out. Oh my God. You can talk. But I think in the important areas, your character has a voice and it's, you know, whatever to get the story going. But other than that, you're kind of just reading off the screen. And I absolutely hate that like there's there's tons of great story moments in genshin and i just hate having to sit there and read through it and just kind of like okay uh that's cool (laughs) funny 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 i think this is a very very bad decision i get it that they're probably saving money by not having to do the 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 bring the talent in and and recording the lines and having the voiceovers and worrying about getting that stuff translated and all that stuff i get that it's still kind of weak, not kind of, it still weekends the property for me. Like, I, I don't, I don't want that. Go ahead, Avery. You can, go ahead. Yeah, that reminds me of Cyberpunk. I remember when they announced that Cyberpunk was going to be a first person mm. game. I was on team, hey, yo, man, first person, it's going to save the money, let them focus on the rest of the game. We got the game. I enjoyed playing it, but hey, man, that first person didn't make the game better. No, it did not. <laughs> no, it did not. If you're willing to cut resources, <laughs> on this aspect because you don't want to do the work how really impressive is your game going to be yeah yep yeah no that's that's totally true um so yeah that's that and the the manual flying thing i think is a very weird concession to make because you know at the start everyone me including was like oh this is like no man's sky this is like no man's sky and just to get to what Avery's saying, like to explore a planet means you have to fly in in the atmosphere of the planet to see where you want to land. Like they show, I remember seeing a picture of like, you see the horizon of a planet, you see like little bases and stuff. So what, I, what I'm thinking is like, okay, well, maybe it's a thing where you can fly into the atmosphere of the planet. Well, well, I'm thinking, I think the, Best possible scenario is that you're able to fly into the atmosphere of the planet, but when it comes to actually landing, there's a load screen. So there is no actual touchdown. Worst possible scenario, it's like a destiny system where you see the planet, you click on the planet, it's like, oh, do you want to land here, 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 or here? And you click on there and it loads screens to that area, which I think in 2022 for a space exploration game, that should not be the case. Like No Man's Sky did such a good job in terms of revolutionizing what it means to have a 
space game where you were exploring, you're finding these random procedurally generated planets and you were landing on them wherever you feel like. And it's just like, all right, well, what's happening here? I, it's all the information that's been coming out of Starfield has worried me, but also made me remember that this is just a game. Like every game that gets hyped up is still just a game. And being just a game, they have to make concessions in terms of where they want to spend their money, where they want to make other things look better, add the floors and so on and so forth. And that's just what we're getting now. We're getting the limitations of what Starfield's going to be. And then people are either going to be excited for it or just be like, oh, this kind of dumb. I'm not, I'm not feeling that. So it is what it is. I, and to that point, it's like, okay, I, I'm, I've been doing a little research. I'm trying to figure out where in Starfield's like marketing has this game sort of like hype gotten to where it exists right now where like this is like the next generation of like like this is the next step in gaming and all that type of bullshit because i'm like mm-hmm. if i'm xbox and they're just gonna put out like no this is just me putting my own biases about bethesda games into it and i'm like i don't spend all this money for bethesda to get this game and have it not blow the socks off the world especially after yeah. halo infinite also failed to blow the socks off the world and that was supposed to be your big juggernaut yeah 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 I mean, honestly, before you, before you go, I have no doubt that Starfield is going to sell. I have absolutely no doubt that this is it's going to it's going to do gangbusters just because it's a Bethesda game. And yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah. But go ahead, Marcus. No, yeah, I'm just going to have some quick thoughts and we can move forward. It's I am right there with you guys on the silent protagonist thing. And to take it a step further as somebody who generally plays games, especially RPGs for the character aspect of it, I am furious every time I find out that in the year of our Lord 2022, there is a game with the silent protagonist because I'm just like, at this point, why? Like, especially if this game is trying to do some of what Mass Effect Andromeda attempted to do, but failed to do with kind of like the space uh, going out into the greater reaches of space and and colonizing essentially and, and, you know, learning new things. Why wouldn't you have a character that you could like have or, you know, you know, like have some more character to have something to grasp onto, you know, not a blank slate. Right. Right. I think that that's just bullshit at this point, especially that uh, the the cost effectiveness, like Avery said, like if you're willing to cut those costs, then where else are you going to cut the costs? You know, and it, it just shows that you're not really trying to make this the best thing that it can be. Yeah, at this point, not that I was like super excited about the game to begin with, because like, frankly, if I didn't have an Xbox and I didn't have two years of uh, of uh, Game Pass, it probably wouldn't be on my radar at all. But the fact that I do have an Xbox, I was like, OK, I'm going to check this game out. But the more and more I hear about it, the less I'm interested in. And another thing that I just thought about I'm even more irritated with silent protagonists when you can create your character. Like if, if you can (laughs) customize your character, but you can't have a voice. And then on top of that, when you have interactions with other characters, it's a, it's a first person view. What's the fucking point? Like, what is the fucking point? Yeah, no, I, yeah. Like, uh, and then, you know, just to, I don't I don't want to be nitpicky, but like No, be nitpicky. <laughs> even with the planet that they decided to show, right? It was a type of planet, it was a type of coloring that everyone dings Fallout games for. It was a gray 
barren looking planet with barely any color to it. The only color you had was really your gun or whatever you had in your hand. And it was like, look at No Man's Sky. Any planet you go on, there is a pop of color in some way, shape, or form. Like, why didn't you take that? Speaking of No Man's Sky, I bet dollars to donuts. And this is one of those things that can bite me in the ass and I'll just take the fucking pizza bet right now. I think the art style of No Man's Sky combined with its procedural generation pretty much means that even when you get a boring world with nothing on it in No Man's Sky, the world is interesting to look at and has interesting things on it. I don't think they're going to be doing procedural creature generation, which means that if, if there's going to be wildlife on these worlds, it's going to repeat dramatically and it's going to be the same boring enemy types. Bro, like just a, a quick No Man's Sky aside, like I remember there was one planet that I landed on. It was the sky was yellow. Most of it was yellow, but like the vegetation and, and fauna and stuff was like a black metallic glass and they were like hexagon. And I remember landing on that planet like, what the hell is this? And just seeing the plant and the vegetation just be as is, I was like, okay, what can kill me here? Because I don't trust anything. <laughs> so it was just walking with my little scanning gun, just kind of try to scan like the, the wildlife and stuff. And like, there was a, the wildlife that I, I saw like consistently, consistently was like a, a bunch of glass, like kind of hurling around itself and kind of like going up and down into the ground. And like, it was such a, a majestic moment of No Man's Sky because like, oh, this is exactly what Sean uh, wants from us. Like we are exploring this alien planet and looking at Starfield and, and watching that trailer, I don't think that's going to be the vibes that like I would get playing that game. And it's just like, uh, all right, cool. Like at, at its worst, even at least No Man's Sky had the what the fuck is this kind of flair to it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it doesn't seem like, like you said, you're going to get that at all with Starfield. But yeah, let's. You're going to get a human in a tent just chilling there talking about it needs beans or something to, to survive. <laughs> we need potatoes. Right. Yeah. I, I hope this is a game that Bethesda fans want because I know we're harping on the side protagonists, but when I looked up what Bethesda fans want, they're like, fine, good. This is the best decision I've ever made. So I'm clearly yep. smoking boners in a lot of my things. This is what they want, so they're, <laughs> they're happy for it. Moving on to other weird Xbox news. Uh, oh so this was a story that broke over the week. I'm reading from... Where am I reading from? My computer's being dumb again. Uh, yeah, I'm reading from Kotaku.com. This is... Ari noticed Hill Infinite's Juneteenth cosmetic briefly named after Ape sparks outcry. Uh, yep. So <laughs> what ended up happening is that 343 wanted to do the bare minimum when it comes to, uh, uh, I guess, representation in regards to uh, African-American culture. And they put a Juneteenth banner in the game, which is, you know, it's fine. It's cool. <laughs> I mean, I play Apex Legends. There's every fucking diversity uh, like uh, quadrant under the sun you can get a badge for. No matter what you are, they put a badge in there for. And I'm like, you know what? Even the incels see white creators out there with the full spectrum of all the things they support and i'm like you know what i understand what you're doing this i hope you keep the same energy in your personal lives on twitter when you're talking shit to other people but yep. let's tell you here there it's 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 fine but when someone drilled into like the files for it it was labeled bonobo which i know as the ape that has sex for pleasure yep 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 
Happy Juneteenth, June <laughs> Happy Juneteenth, you bonobo monkey. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Bonobos be fucking. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> y'all get the day off, right? What y'all gonna be doing? <laughs> Yo. Uh, Bro. I... I I don't. Yeah, this is wild. I I fundamentally do not understand how that sort of an oversight happens. Like that is such a like the thing. The two things line up too well for that to be an oversight. Like that that had to been like somebody. Even if someone was just trying to troll, that had to be a deliberate thing. There's no way that was an accident. My theory is that someone made a deal with the devil, <laughs> took a bet. The white devil. <laughs> they lost the bet, and it's just like, now you gotta pay with the consequences. <laughs> Halo Infinite is going to fail. <laughs> I think this is ridiculous. Yeah, I think, I think at this point, it's mid to make fun of Halo Infinite at its current state. From all reports, the game is a solid and fun game that's rewarding for Halo players. But as a game as a yeah. service that is supposed to attract a large group of people, it's not succeeding. It's actually like, thank God it was released on Game Pass, and it's like numbers really don't matter because like this is one of those things where like the sustaining word of mouth probably would have been problematic for it, uh, but. This is one of those things where I'm like, wow, how did you like it, it, it shows a lack of oversight at the studio, which may in line yeah. lead to oversight in regards to like design and like supporting yeah. the game. If that someone because there are clearly black people who work at 343 Industries, there are clearly people who uh, clearly large people in charge of Microsoft or people of color. It's like this is one of those oversights where I'm like, someone saw this and like this, the, the plate was made for Juneteenth. It was clearly for Juneteenth and that no one saw that it was titled Bonobo before it was loaded into the game is insane and shows a really big lack of just like quality assurance going on at 343 right now. Avery, you have a you have a much more hopeful viewpoint because I I don't believe for a second that somebody didn't see that shit. Like I don't believe for a second. <laughs> In my mind, the best case scenario is that, and it really like this is a really a sad state of affairs because the best case scenario is that like you have a bunch of overworked QA testers who have been crunching for ever at this point to get like the content out as for whatever time it's supposed to come out and like this is a thing that was supposed to go through the, the checking process maybe someone missed it or maybe someone misread it and or maybe someone read it and didn't know what a bonobo was and was like oh i guess that's some kind of cool black name that i just have no idea what context or whatever they thought it was a, a website where you can get some nice washed chinos <laughs> that is an old comedy bang bang reference marcus i'm like Give the hat to you for making it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because like, b basically, there's just there's just a bunch of ways where communication can fail, and this could 
hit our eyes and just further dig Halo into the <laughs> into the grave. Like, yikes, man, yikes. I yeah, it's like it's like what do you do? Like, uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I'm at a loss of words. I mean, at this point though, like, has any company really handled Juneteenth well? I just like at the bare minimum, they just haven't fucked up. <laughs> like, but I don't think anyone's been like, oh, great, great implementation of Juneteenth this year, guys. Everybody did great. I would have gone and grabbed my um my Juneteenth hat from I got from Target, but uh, it's all the way upstairs, so you know, yeah, <laughs> Target. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, pretty much, right? Yeah. All right. Um, I, I think that's it for the doozy of of this cast. Um. We will be talking about the games we've been playing on, on our next episode once uh, all this um, Summer Games Fest slash E3 wannabe uh, calm down a little bit. And you'll finally hear what people have to say about the all new PlayStation Plus. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. All right. Well, uh, that has been our episode of this illustrious podcast, Press X to Start podcast. We hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as we enjoy making this podcast. Don't forget to rate us on your favorite podcasting <laughs> or or if you if you're not inclined to listen to podcasts and you're watching this on a, our a youtube and our, our youtube channel make sure you hit that like button hit that subscribe button and the notification bell i've said this so many times that like i feel like everyone has done it already but i look at the numbers and I'm like no everyone hasn't done this already like you need to step it up guys come on step it up we need this we need this thank you um if you missed any of this, you can find all the information and more on our website at press x number two start.com as i said Earlier, before we uh, end this, next time we'll be talking about the games we've been playing. As every said, we'll be talking about the new PlayStation Plus, and uh, I'll be I'll be blowing my nose in in a matter of uh, minutes. So you take care. You have a good day. You clear your nose and you wash your hands in that order. Don't do it in the other order. That's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Uno out.